0: What's going on, everybody? Matt here from the Service Industry Podcast, and today I have a pretty cool guest here on the air with me, Joe Kowalski. He owns a company that most of you guys are probably familiar with. You've probably seen him on social, whether it's Facebook or YouTube. He owns a company called Service Monster. It's a CRM platform for service companies all around the country, and they do anything uh, helps you manage your customer list, your scheduling, your marketing, your invoicing, anything that you need in a business, Service Monster most likely offers. Offers. And so, Joe, thanks so much for being on here today. How you doing?
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate you inviting me. And uh, yeah, so that's as much as the commercial, I think, as, as we need to <laughs> <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think most people know what Service Monster is and what it does. And if not, they can certainly hit me up on social. But I'm certainly I'm more interested to help you today bring value to your audience and kind of figure out where I can help in that role.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't expect you to know my YouTube channel or watch any of my videos, but some of the stuff I say on a regular basis is I preach systems and I'm a true believer without a CRM in place in our company, we'd be first off an absolute disaster, but we also would be nowhere near the revenue amount that we do every year. Uh, you know, if we didn't have one. And so I wanted to have you on the show today cause I think it's very, very important for guys that are maybe even just getting started, or maybe they've been in the business for a long time and they don't really understand the importance of it. I'm hoping this conversation today kind of sheds some light and, uh, we can turn some people into believers.
1: I, I would, I would absolutely love that. I, I would preface that with saying that, um, not all CRMs are created equal, and everybody has kind of a different flavor. So I guess my encouraging opening would be, uh, you know, we'll talk about CRMs generically and what they can do for your company, but you got to go out there and test it and demo it, and it takes a long time, and you got to do due diligence, and you can't just do what's shiny, right? So I'm, I'm, uh, if we're gonna push people toward that goal who aren't using CRM, which I think is a totally worthy goal, I think they just need to understand it's gonna take a lot of homework and that there's gonna be a lot of effort because change is hard right? Business owners are resistant to change. And then uh, implementing something of this magnitude, because it is a huge change to your business, you have to go in with that winning attitude that, you know, you're not just going to like perfunctory put something in place and hope the button magically does what you need it to do.
0: Yeah, 100%. No, absolutely. We'll we'll get deeper into that here shortly. But uh, before we get started, let's just kind of go into your story a little bit. I know we kind of did here, you know, before we hit the record button, but um, let's just kind of tell everybody, you know, where you came from. I'm sure people are wondering, man, this guy own a service company before how did he get into a software business so why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah well I mean I, I guess my favorite part to open my story because it's very relatable is um, I'm not college educated at 21 I was working in a uh, Boeing subsidiary grinding on aluminum parts for minimum wage and my wife uh, now 23 years and five children uh, we were brand new and had a brand new baby at the time so I was facing a lot of uh, life just got very real for yeah. me and um, and I needed to make sure that I could build a legacy. you know I, I'd always had it in my head that it was I was I was going to do bigger things than grinding on aluminum parts and so it was a pit stop for me, but I was never like down about it. So I just started busting ass, like whatever was right in front of me just started crushing it. And uh, that led to several promotions, uh, led me into a warehouse management position. I went from there into a warehouse manager of a, um, a chemical, um, found that to be fascinating. And since I was, you know, not going to go very far in my warehouse career, decided to switch careers into chemistry, uh, did some chemistry on the on the floor, uh, scrub and pot started there and then just, you know. Developing and learning and getting promoted and and then I was eventually pulled into the R&D lab. Started working on biomedical polymer um, R&D chemistry for you know uh, plastics that go inside the human body. Mm-hmm. But the iterative process took too long. Um, it was like three days, and I'm just like guesswork. I'm like alchemy guy sitting next to dual PhDs, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> just mixing shit together, right? Um, and so three days was just too long. So I went in um, and said, hey, I, I need to help you guys here and we basically cut the process down from uh, three days to six hours, wow. uh, fired half of the uh, QA team or the Berkeley interns that were there, so I wasn't too popular with, <laughs> with those guys. But I um, I, had, I did it via code. I had to learn how to program in order to fix the process so I could be go back to working on my chemistry. But then I fell in love with computer programming. I realized how fast those iterative cycles can be and how, how quickly you can improve um, just by hitting that play button every time, every mm-hmm. 10 minutes, you know. So uh, did that and then picked up a handful of books and then started slinging code for Fortune 500 companies. So I just, again, just totally switched careers. So at this point, I'm uh, 25, it's 2000. I'm doing 100K in a cubicle on my second STEM career with no college education. Yeah. So I like that, like, setup because it just proves to me and, you know, the the whole world, like – you just need to pick up some books and have some uh have some oomph, Yeah. right? Just go ex- execute and just do what's in front of you. So uh so that was pretty cool. Uh 2000 I got cancer wow. right after the birth of our second child. Um and so that was obviously scary for everybody. 6 months of radiation and chemotherapy. And after I came out of that, I was kind of like man, I am making so much money for other people.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> like,
1: I need to Go do the shit that I want to do. Like, why am I limited to this cubicle? And so um, with that thought in hand, but also knowing that I really didn't know anything about business, I uh, joined a junior partnership consulting firm um, where I was flying all over the country and and, uh, slinging code and fixing other companies' problems while trying to build this consulting company. Realized that's not really what I wanted to do Flying, after surviving cancer to only be gone five days out of the week from my family. Like, yeah. "Mm." Killing the Joneses, but at the same time, I'm one of my sacrificing for it. So, I said, okay. I, I learned exactly what not to do with the startup over those 18 months. That company folded, and then that's in 2003 when I started Service Monster, what's now known as one of the very first SaaS companies, software as a service. Um, and uh, looking for an industry, I ran into my great grandfather-in-law Ed York, uh, who basically invented the entire carpet cleaning industry, and mm-hmm. said, hey. This is a. These are the people that you can you can help solve. And my goal was to help deliver Fortune 500 level software to small business owners, uh, you know, single owner operators, mom and pops. So they've never had that power before. There were a few products out there, a few other CRM that you might be able to buy for like five thousand dollars and install on your desktop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, as far as like real Fortune 500 level power that we were doing for, for these, you know, companies like AutoZone and, um, Boeing, it just, it just wasn't available. So that's what I wanted to do. So Ed was like service providers, man. And so I just felt a kinship for them because I had done, you know, um, not service work directly. I did, um, tradesmen. So I did hardwood floors, tile marble and framework, um, before my twenties, Okay, right? Just kind of as, um, that was my, um, summer gigs. Uh, and then I did it for a couple of years before I actually got married. Gotcha. Um, and so I, I general, you know, sweat equity, putting in a hard day's worth of work and having good, something to show for it. And I wanted I wanted to be able to give you guys the ability to really make massive businesses through systems, uh, systematizing everything. And so uh, that's when we started Service Monster in 03. three. Eight shit for four years. Uh, not profitable. No VC funding. No loans. Top ramen and cereal sandwiches. Uh, told my wife that because we wanted a bigger family, we had to hold off on having any more kids until we got this thing off the ground. So that's why there's a big age gap in between my uh, five children. Yeah, I've got three on the young side and two on the older side. Okay. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then and then 2006, 2007, 2008. We're just starting to cruise and build some momentum. We land a couple corporate contracts with Chemdry and you know, that kind of uh, caliber of companies. And, yep. and you know next thing you know, here we are finally within the last three or four years, really being able to put on some amazing people uh, to really help us move forward. Now we're 2.6 million, 36 employees. And uh, our goal is 30 million over the next four and a half years.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. So let's backtrack for a minute because sure. you, you kind of skipped over a part real quickly and you said, you know, for the first four years, yeah, uh, you, know, <laughs> y- you struggled, right? And four years when you say it like that doesn't sound like a long time but it, when you're in the moment four years is a long time and so oh, yeah. kind of explain that to me a little bit what was that like that that first four years of business what were you doing what were you experiencing because i know a lot of guys that are listening to this you know or maybe in year one or year two and they're thinking like man i don't know if i can do this for four years straight
1: yeah i mean I uh- obviously uh if you're in a service business you should be pulling in profits within six months to a year Mm -hmm. right so our situation is a lot different but you're right there's a lot of people in that struggle phase right if they're not implementing systems if they're not um insightful empathetic like all the key things you need as a business owner now if your goal is self-employment which there's plenty of people who don't want to build massive businesses that don't want to Deal with employee headaches. That's fine, but I don't think you and I are talking really about them today,
0: right? Right. right.
1: We're talking about the people who really have this vision now. Whether it's, you know, a four hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollar business, that's still a vision. That's four or five employees,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that the reality is less than six percent of my database are over a million dollar earners. Sure. And we processed four hundred and sixty-five million dollars in invoices last year. Wow. So huge throughput through us, right? Half a billion dollars of services run through Service Monster every year right now, and so even that, the average is four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for employees. Yeah. So just perspective. A lot of these guys on the board talk about you know these big numbers and these big games. I I have all the data. They can't bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right so that and I'm in that unique position right so going back to your question yes i think there's a lot of people that are struggling that want to do better and they're just not sure like where to go so emotionally what did i go through so four and a half years not profitable so the first year was optimistic but on a steady decline as we realized our projections were nowhere near reality <laughs> yeah so so we had to face some really hard facts but here's the kicker um, we didn't even have a product the first year we were four and a half months in with a product that I had started developing and then gotten a small team together to finish the development. It was a desktop product that got its data over the internet,
0: hmm.
1: full SAS, right? But, uh, a desktop install. And mm-hmm. what was interesting is I was over a decade ahead of my time there. Those apps came out in 2010, 2012, known as RIA, Rich Internet Applications, and we even started, Microsoft dumped huge money in a product called Silverlight, and then Adobe dumped a huge money into um, tools so you can build Adobe Flash as a line of business product, um, but it never really fully caught on. Um, we recognized that it wasn't going to catch on in 2003 and said, oh, crap, we really should rebuild this because the Internet's where everything is going to be expected to be found later. Right. Even though our product was using the Internet uh, as a data source, it was a big leap, I think, for us to say, okay, we have to trust the Internet to be able to do the things that we want it to do. Sure. And so um, it, it was funny because back then, and we didn't have all the development tools that we had now, like AWS wasn't a thing like these platforms that people can develop these products on. They just weren't a thing. Uh, so we're struggling, we're struggling, we're struggling. And then we decided to do a complete rebuild overhaul, which required bringing in a new friend of the family partner type to bring in some cash so we can, uh, you know, have enough runway to, to rebuild it from scratch. Sure. Uh, which we did. Uh, it was a gutsy move, but it paid off. Um, and so, Uh, We were able to release that product at the end of 2004. So first year was 100% development, eating top ramen, trying to not starve. Um, Belief in the vision that this was going to work.
0: Yeah. That's, that's insane. So
1: it so, is, yeah. And so, and and that was it. You know, all of our savings accounts were dwindling to almost nothing. You know, my my kids can't go to karate and do all the stuff <laughs> that they. You know what I mean? Just like you know, the, you're worried about paying your bills in the grocery line, and you know, I just we've all been there. Yeah. I had to do, but I had to do it for three more years. Wow. <laughs> Little did I know. So at year one, we launched the product. We started to get some traction, but then we realized really quickly that service providers are snake oil resistant they have been sold so much bullshit over the years that they are skeptical when they see something real sure that they see like oh okay yeah you tell me systems are gonna like solve my problems like I bought that button once it's like well you know, if you bought a button you bought the wrong thing yeah right it takes work it takes effort it takes energy you've got to have a plan execution it takes work running a business takes work yeah uh, so um, Once you put out the good and the bad and the sales to people, you know, which products you need to service versus which ones are just trying to sell you because they have an incentive in the juice. So, you know, it didn't, the adoption, full scale adoption didn't happen like I, I had planned. We were so far ahead of the game. It was hard for people to wrap their head around the first year. Constantly battled with, but where's my data? Yeah. Well, it's on our servers. Oh, God, I don't like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: where do you keep your data now? Right. It's on my computer at home. Well, what happens if your computer crashes? You do backups regularly, right? Well, no, I guess I don't. And so convincing them of that dance, that it would be actually better and safer with us than on their old crappy Pentium 2 Windows 95 machine that when it fries, you lose your second most important asset to your business next to your finances. Yep. And so um, so it took, a, it took a really long time for that. And still, that adoption is really slow. Uh, And we can pit stop here for a minute if you'd like, because I I find this fascinating. I think this is valuable to the service uh, providers, is that through the history, last 15 years, 15 years ago, the businesses were primarily run by boomers. Hmm. Very few Gen Xers were running service businesses in 19, you know, uh, in 2000, right? We were only like 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Some of us were a little older, but then those older ones take on more Boomer characteristics, right? <laughs> um, so, but the thing is, is that Boomer population is 80 million strong in the United States. Gen Xers are 40 million. Yeah, we, we're called Gen Xers not because it's a counting mechanism, like Gen why never made any freaking sense to me gen x is x because it's unknown as in where the hell did they go (laughs) (laughs) because there's only 40 million of us and now there's over 80 million millennials right who were 35 36 years old right so they're buying homes and they're having families and they're growing businesses they went to turn around and look at succession there was no one there Mm -hmm. there were no gen xers to hand the business to yeah and so they had to hold on to it for longer. And they're still holding on to it. And that general demographic is really slow to adapt change. Oh, totally. Uh, super resistant to it, right? So Gen X was the first generation born in human history whose only constant was change. And then, of course, the millennials, it's just, you know it's like diaper. So it's just bang 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 bang. bang. <laughs> just yeah. change happened like, you know, we had to we had to wait till we were like in grade school for that change to start happening like v- VHS and microwaves and you know, and then it slowly ramped up. You guys were just like, here's change. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, and 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 that has lended itself to more adaptation. So here we have an environment where boomers were holding on to businesses much longer than traditional because there was nobody to succeed to uh there were some gen xers who ran service businesses but there's not a huge amount of them look at the uh look at the educational industry there's nobody on deck and most of those education people are boomers
0: yeah right
1: now if you if you look at influencers like kalfas and carol and Vladimir, right and and uh you then yeah you've got the younger crowd but those influencers aren't flying out to a distributorship to pitch a, a class over two days to a room full of 20 people. Right. Nobody's doing that, yep. except for the boomers. And there's and those associations don't have anybody on deck. Yep. Uh, and so it's like a big freak out, like what's gonna happen to the associations down the road? But that means those boomers ex- took their businesses longer, there were slower to change. So from 2003 to today, we only had a 10% increase in CRM adoption. And from twenty percent to thirty mm-hmm. percent, to my horrifying <laughs> nightmare, right? Because I, I, have thought this wave would have happened already, and sure. I, I would have ca- caught it. No, not quite. So now I'm looking at millennials, though, and they're starting a businesses, and they're what are they doing? They're going on their phone. See, the boomers when they started businesses, they went and got a day planner at Target. Yeah. And uh, millennials don't. That doesn't even pop into their brain. They go to their a- app store and they go, I need a scheduling app. Yep. I need a payment app, and so um, the battlefield is much different. I suspect within the next ten years for that number to flip, for it to go from thirty percent CRM adoption to seventy percent CRM adoption. Sure. As succession happens to the millennials and and the Gen Xers start to pick up more and more businesses and, and cash flow power, I just think that that's just an inevitable uh, march. But here I am, two years into the business, struggling. No one, you know, hardly anyone's buying. We're just freaking out. Year three, same thing. Like it, we're we're increasing. Like our our runway is getting longer only by nurture of the fact that we're adding a little more cash, but we're still starving. Our salaries are way reduced. You know, my wife is starting to get, antsy. <laughs> yep, uh, you know, just doesn't really understand. Like you know, and and very supportive. Like I don't want to paint the wrong picture here, but three years is a long freaking time for sure. Um, and then so we're heading into three and a half years, and I'm just like I. I you know, when do we call it versus when do we are just too stubborn? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I I'm just too damn stubborn. So I started playing around with numbers and data. And then I discovered something that we were training people. And at this time, there's only like five, four, four or five of us. And so I was doing the sales. Uh, and then we would have Eric. He was doing the trainings. And then they'd come back to me. Uh, 30 to 45 days after sales to reinvigorate them, and that started off as a marketing consult, right? Because a lot of these guys, marketing is one of their Achilles heels. Yep. And uh, and so you know, I'm a marketing ninja, so why not? So uh, I'd reinvigorate them on day 30 and day 45, and I'd show them all the amazing tools that we had in Service Monster to help them with client retention, and they had to click some buttons and then print out some letters and labels and then set up some direct, direct campaign going. They'd be like, oh, dude, it was awesome. It was amazing. I sent it out, and I got jobs. It was like magic. Yeah. It's like, cool, how'd it go a month after that? Well, I didn't do it. Sure. Wait, what? It's like, oh, well, you know, I got too busy, and then, you know, this and that. now and, you know, I feel bad. I should go back and do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I kept running into this over and over and over again. And then finally I was like, wait, we have their data. There's no reason why we can't do this for them. Sure. And then conceptualized this card that you know I needed a card, which meant I couldn't use a standard printer. So I ran down to Best Buy that day. Uh, ended up at Office Max, getting an inline printer from Brother uh, that cost me a hundred bucks. Okay. I bought two, and uh, we hit profitability in Christmas on those two little printers. We called Ching Ching One. And yeah.
0: <laughs> um
1: And we were just printing at all hours just printing, because we just, the people saw the for the product for what it was worth and they just jumped on it, our client base jumped on it, because we already had this amazing loyalty, like people who were using the product were super, super in love with it, like everything they did, they you know, it, it was it was just phenomenal, the loyalty that we had, which then 50% of them started buying these Fill My Schedule services, these thank you and reminder cards that we sent out to their clients, it was a, a, an amazing retention program and we still do it today, it has an 800% ROI nationwide as an average. Wow. Uh, there's a lot of people in the 1,200 to 1,400% ROI on this product. Why? It's not magic. It's just an awesome client retention program. That's yep. it. And it's just static and steady and a drumbeat. And it just works because you know doing it is what works. Right, right. Uh, um, and so uh, that actually tipped the scales for us. We made our first couple bucks at like the end of 2000 and I want to say eight uh three four five six to maybe end of 2007 uh and then you know we we're still starving right we had one employee at the time Yep. Um, uh, and then there was just uh two other you know, three of us essentially in one employee so the four of us and then uh and then just started trickling it so then now we've got positive we got positive cash flow finally the bleeding and the hemorrhaging has stopped now uh, we see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and then we work for probably the next year year two years to get to a comfortable self-employment you know nowhere near still at that time back to where we were before we left our uh, corporate 500 fortune 500 jobs yep um but at the same time it was you know it was like okay now the wife's less you know frustrated because she can actually go buy groceries whenever she wants and like i can put the kids back in karate again right sure And it's, hey babe let's start having babies so, <laughs> so <laughs> um so then we had our next three uh and uh yeah and then you know continue to struggle but it was a comfortable struggle and that's complacency that i see a lot of people getting into they 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 have a vision they start a business they get all excited yeah and they they pump they grind they pump the grind and they realize and and obviously my story is going to take a lot longer than a service sure. provider story uh, but the 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 you just condense it down it's the same thing right just just you know concentrate it uh So the question quickly becomes, oh, this is so hard. Like, oh, and then they reach that self-employment plateau. And then, you know what, I'm just freaking still here, right? You know I mean? It's like, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's fine. But, you know, not really re-triggering on that original vision. So I didn't have that luxury. I didn't have the luxury of complacency uh, because we were starving to death and and we were building a business at scale from day one. We just hadn't hit scale yet. Yeah, uh, and it's it still took us a long time to get there. I feel only within the last three years have we really gotten to a point where we can put hire some amazing people and put them, you know, in the right positions on the bus, and uh, and uh, now we're really starting to move forward quickly. And then 18 months ago, my marketing team finally—it's almost two years. Now, uh, finally convinced me to be an avatar for the company out of reluctancy. Cause you know, I never wanted to be a celebrity CEO. Yeah, Like I'd rather install amazing people and then go off and help other people build businesses behind the scenes. Sure. I, I, that's my goal. So, um, so I was really reluctant to that for a long time, but then I saw Gary Vaynerchuk and, and what he was doing with video on, uh, Facebook. And I was not, paying attention to what he said although what he says is great as a general he's not a motivational motivational guy but just in that light I think he's one of the better ones but that's not for me I'm not driven by motivational but I was watching what he was doing yeah yep that's what freaking sparked my fire and then uh, I grabbed one of the person out of the company who was stuffing cards who said I like to do video his name is Justin he's, he's our videographer now and I said come to Trade show with me. I do a lot of talking and just record me. And people come up to me and ask me questions. I like Let's just record that. So we went there, uh, did the trade show, cut three videos. Um, they were two minutes long each. I put them up for 50 bucks a pop. So I spent 150 dollars on this test flight campaign. Direct shot to the heart. 7,500 to a 10,000 views on each video over a, a 30 to 60 day period of time by our core demographic. Wow. And then that started driving engagement and then slowly started trickling into the lead system without any massive retargeting efforts at that point. Yeah. I was like, sold, yeah, sold. And so I went all in. I took all uh, marketing cash out of everything we do, trade journals, relationships with distributors, like all the old school methods to get in front of service providers, like association related. I even sat down on the board for the ICRC for a while, right? Yep. Because I, I want to help. I wanted to help them get more. More modern I was the youngest guy on that board by two decades uh, and it didn't work the way I wanted it to right because again resistant to change yep. but uh, I learned a lot uh, but all of those marketing methodologies and attention strategies I, I tossed them all and just pulled all the cash into two things trade shows and because that's where we generate our best content and uh, uh, uh Facebook and Instagram and so uh, now we're seeing 200% uh, acquisition lead acquisition increases and over 100% increase in sales as well. Uh, and it's been, that's been a whole troubling thing cause I've had to rebuild my sales team within the last couple of months, but that's a whole other show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. No, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And there's so much to dig into there, but one of the things that really stood out to me, and I think this will bring value to some of the, the listeners, you said something and I, I don't remember the specific percentage, but it was under 10% of service companies ever gets that million dollar mark. Is that right?
1: Yeah. 6%.
0: Yeah. So 6%. That's insane. So what, I mean, you see all these companies, you see what they're doing through your CRM. And obviously it's all confidential. We're not looking for specific you know, names or numbers, but what do you think are some of the the most common things that these larger companies are doing that the smaller guys aren't recognizing or aren't taking serious?
1: Yeah, that's an amazing question. Um, and one that I have studied now for the last 15 years. And first thing is I get pushed back on, it is well, actually one of my favorite compliments. Yeah, but Joe, all those people use Service Monster. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you're pooling from only the most successful people, Joe. Yeah. Wait. wait. Yeah. Cart before the horse, chicken in the egg. Yeah. So, so I would say there's a couple things. Number one, and I don't want to overemphasize this, but its its existence cannot be undershadowed leadership that's absolutely number one so first of all is the person who is leading the company which by the way doesn't have to be the owner or the primary owner Um, Doug Burzma is a great example of that he has a 45 um, 45-year-old company here in Whatcom County. They do full service cleaning, windows, carpet cleaning, restoration. Uh, even has a storefront for the juice and chemicals that they use themselves. So he's got a clever little mechanism where he's his own biggest customer. Um, and he has Jay Young run it. And Jay's a older millennial. I think he's pushing 36, 37. Um, and uh, Doug's taking a back seat because Doug loves cleaning things. Hmm. Jay loves building businesses. Right. Right. And so um, that's number one. The leadership that's in place, that's running the company, has some qualities that are pretty common. The first is intellectual curiosity, they never stop learning. Yeah. Right. Um, The other thing is complete um, ambition and tenacity. Like, and this is prevalent prevalent in most entrepreneurs, and maybe differentiates them from a solid, successful, um, self-employed individual, which is we don't get leisure. We sure. sacrifice leisure. Now we don't sacrifice family for business. A lot of people have that misconception. Like Vaynerchuk, I'm not so sure what his you know family life is going to be like when he talks about regret. I kind of wonder where he's going to be at that point yeah. with his kids. But, but. You, you can still bust ass uh, and do 12 14 18 hour days and still be present with your family a good portion of that time too it all comes to how many cycles you're spinning in your head pushing the wand or the pole or yep. you know whatever device you're using that's not that's not working on your business yeah yeah <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so I think there's that mindset that leadership mindset that says I'm super ambitious I, I am super um, intellectually curious I want to know the answers to why and I have no interest in leisure I have little interest in si- sitting around with buddies and, and drinking uh, beer all day long and going to the bar every single night or spending three out of the four nights two and a half hours every night sitting in front of television or watching sports or whatever sure. Yep. binge watching you know Game of Thrones for the seventh time or you know whatever and then, don't get me wrong like you know entertainment's fine and I like movies and I'm not going to get down on you if like that's your your work-life balance and you're happy we're talking about hungry entrepreneurs who are struggling, who want to get to the next level. Right, right. That's who I'm focused on right now. And so, uh, intellectual curiosity, hardcore ambition, uh, drive, those are those are very common. And then, and then there. So that's the basic layer. But then the the deeper layer really comes down to first and foremost empathy. In order to be a great leader, in order to understand your client's point of view, in order to understand how to make good negotiation deals with vendors. You really need to be able to take your ego out, and I don't mean like ego, like "oh, I'm the baddest person." I mean like your yourself, your your yeah. conscious self, to be able to look at a situation through someone else's eyes, removing your own pre-cog, uh, you know, disposition and everything that you think. I call that going to null. Sure. Just fire sailing everything down and then experiencing it from someone else's point of view. Uh, that's a very common trait in leaders who are are pushing that million dollar business, um, and then, so so that's the leadership qualities that I'll often see. Of course, by and of themselves, doesn't really mean anything, because you can be a, a busy genius and not get anywhere. Right, right. And then have all that empathy and so forth, but not really move. So that leadership really t- takes an internal turn to build amazing teams. And so, putting a couple key people in place—maybe they're salespeople who can really push the company forward, um, or maybe they're somebody who's working on operations to really increase your margins and focus on efficiencies—and um, maybe it's a HR person to make sure you're pulling in the right people and that the people are staying and that they have the right position on the bus. And that their compensation is is good, so you're going to keep them long. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's this quality of leadership that forces them to reach beyond their comfort zone and say, I don't know if I can afford this position right now. I just know that it's so important that I'm willing to invest in it. Totally. Uh, the the next thing I would say is taking cash out too early. Um, like myself, a lot of uh, a lot of our service uh, brothers and sisters are more of a blue collar mindset. Yep. Right. Um, and that's exactly where i came from and so getting out of that to to really understand the the next level i think is a is a good thing because they take cash too early out of the business yep. they start to get the taste they go like wow $10,000 is a lot of freaking money yeah like and i can write myself a check for $10,000 in addition to what i Pay myself on a salary. Sure. Holy shit! Yeah, and so then they start buying toys, right? Boats and cars, or half a car, <laughs> and they loan it. Put the other half on loan, and they and they and they play with this materialism um, because they can, and they've never been able to experience it before. And I think that is a huge detriment to the growth of their business because they really should be investing in the people to get to the next level. Because I'll tell you what, you know what's better than writing a ten thousand dollar check to yourself when you have two employees writing a hundred thousand dollar check to yourself when you have 30 employees yeah for sure that's way fucking
0: better yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and you know it's, it's a mindset thing too I was talking to a guy the other day and he's asking me you know so for some advice and, and it was very clear his problem was that he didn't understand how to manage his money inside his company and I was talking to him about you know, the first four years, almost every single pay period, I was paying my guys more than I was paying myself and all the extra money I was reinvesting back into marketing to grow the business. And it, it became so normal to me. And I'm still this way now where like my business account, when I look at how much is in there, like, it's almost like, I don't, that's not even my money. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the company. You know what I mean? And it was a total mindset shift that really helped me, um, get out of that short-term mindset of, you know, oh man, there's 10,000 bucks in there. Well, I could put that in my savings account or I can reinvest that now and watch what happens two, three, four years down the road. And so that's really good. I think that's, gosh, it hits it right in the head for sure. Cause so many guys suck their business dry so fast.
1: That's right. Um, yeah, good. So we've covered, uh, leadership, some of the qualities around leadership, um, uh, understanding that you have a vision and goal, you need to build a team, uh, you need that empathy, uh, financial management, reinvesting the cash into the business, not taking out too much too soon. Uh, so, those are what we've hit so far. Um, the next one then starts to venture into systems, which is kind of the general, what we're supposed to be talking about yeah, in general. Yeah. Um, And so the first, very, 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 very first and most effective system that every single service provider should implement today, because I know the vast majority of them don't have them in a consistent and uh, repeatable manner, is a client retention strategy. Period. End of story. Yeah. Repeat rate is the number one most... Important metric to service providers. It is the difference between success and failure. It is the difference between conversations I have with someone with a 45% repeat rate saying, "I'm struggling, man. I'm dog paddling. I got to get new clients in the door. I got to get more work. What do I do?" And they're so focused on bringing new clients in and no client retention strategy that they're bleeding and hemorrhaging out of the backside, Mm -hmm. and their customers are just fleeing, and they don't even realize it. Or they, worse, they think. They're not looking at the right data. Well, you know, half the clients I service every month are our uh, are, are clients that have used us before. So our repeat rates like 50 like, percent. No. First of all, your calculations totally wrong. And just because you serviced five out of your 10 clients or previous clients doesn't mean you're gonna have a million dollar business. Yeah. Now, when I talk to somebody who has a 60 percent repeat rate, completely different conversation. Hey, Joe, you know, I've got a client retention strategy in place. It's running pretty good. I think we're moving forward. My margins look good. We're cash positive. I'm reinvesting in the business. What more can I do? Mm -hmm. And so totally different mindset between over and under 50% repeat rate. And it's not just that you have a mindset that's keeping you under. I mean, because literally, if you implement a client retention strategy and stick with it and you're consistent about it for a whole freaking year, you will get over 50%. Yep. It's not magic unless you have like four teeth, smell bad, and did a crappy job. Right. Then right. we can't help you. Yep. Right. But if you've got the system in place and you, and they had a great experience and you have your client retention system in place, then the difference is unbelievable. Let's just take a thought experiment here real quick. I've done this a few times, but see if you can envision this. Two companies, company A, company B, 100% identical metric in every category. Let's say they've been around for three or four years and they're currently sitting on a thousand. Thousand clients each. Yep, they do collect twenty new clients a month. Uh, their average invoice is two hundred okay? uh, and fifty bucks. Okay, and and that's that's it. That's where we'll start. So you run that math. You're looking at Company A is doing about uh, two hundred thousand dollars a year. and Company B is doing a little more than that because the one metric we're going to change is repeat rate. Company A has a repeat rate of twenty five percent. Company B has a repeat rate of sixty percent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, with me so far? Yeah, that's a lot of numbers. Okay, so company A, fast forward five years, zero growth. Mm-hmm. Less than 1% in that five year period growth. They're still making just under $200,000 at the end of year five. Company B is an $800,000 company. Sure. The only thing that changed was repeat rate. Yep. Okay, so that's that's first. The, the million dollar business is impossible to get to million dollars. As a service business, unless you're restoration, and I'm excluding them out, sure. right? Because certainly you're not going to have repeat restoration work. Like, yep. <laughs> call us the next time you have your <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> Right, right. No, 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 no. It's a bad experience. Let's not rehash that. So we're going to take those guys out of the equation. But, you know, for your, your uh, carpet cleaners, you know, that demographic is really – that that repeat rate is just – the most important thing and you can't get to a million without a system of client retention to get there. That's, then, cool. yeah, that's am, good. And you know, what's amazing is, is that those empathetic and um, I won't say egoless, right? Because entrepreneurs always have an ego. We're always badasses. But are you able to then set that aside for a minute, right? And then look at the world through somebody else's eyes without coloring it or listen to the truth and not dominate your um, your presence isn't so dominating that the people who you you are taking on the journey with you are afraid to tell you the truth, right? Yeah, right. So so that, that person, once they see the client retention system program work, the light bulb goes on and they go, oh, damn, I need systems everywhere. Yep. Because the client retention is an insidious little thing. It's super easy to say, client retention. Sure. (laughs) But what do you need in order to have an effective client retention strategy? Well, the first thing you need is a CRM and that, you know, you could be loose about that. You could have an Excel spreadsheet. Sure. And you can be tracking that Excel spreadsheet, but you also need to track last invoice date, the last time that you service that company, because that's what your direct mail campaigns or your call campaigns or your email campaigns should be targeting. Yep. Hey, it's been X amount of time since your last service time to go again. Yep. And then also giving them, it's been two months, let's give you some value. It's been four months, let's give you some value. It's been one year, let's re-up. Yep, right? It's Gary yep. Vaynerchuk's jab, 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 right hook. Right. And so if you have that last invoice date, then you can be targeting that with specific messaging based off their time period, which radically incle- increases your rate of uh, recurrence. Man. So... Those guys then go, holy shit, systems are awesome, let's do some more. And then they start to realize, wow, I've, I've shaved two points off my margin. That's money in the business. Wow, my marketing is getting better because I understand the holistic brand approach. I'm not looking for the one-shot fire cannon yep. to pull in as many leads as I can just off one deal. I understand that it's a drumbeat that we're building band presence and loyalty and trust and that top of funnel and retargeting will allow me to then grow new leads and a client retention program will allow me to keep them. Totally. That's it.
0: I know, man. I know you're you're preaching to the choir here, but for all of you guys listening, I'm telling you right now, you know, here's another thing I hear all the time. Guys that are just getting started, they're like, yeah, I'll do that when I get bigger. It's like, no, 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 no. no." That's if you don't do it now, it is so hard to implement that down the road, and that's one thing I'm thankful Look, of.
1: If, if you don't have a system or a CRM on day one, straight up in this day and age, I'm sorry, you're a freaking idiot. Yeah, and I just said that to seventy percent of this audience.
0: Yeah, hundred right? percent.
1: And and I love you guys. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I'm not judgmental, but I but the that value of what you're missing there. And I don't care. Again, spreadsheet, a competitor, service model, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care. But get something on day one, because that first client should only ever use you again. Right. So waiting until you reach some mythical dollar, which, by the way, never happens, right? We set goals, and then they get – and as we approach them, we're like, well, no, nah, I didn't really mean that. Yeah. They <laughs> right. move- you-, you move the yardstick anyways because you you get there, and you're like, well, I thought this would be a mythical land of you know, uh, uh, gold, dust, and fairies. And then you get there, and like, oh, crap. It's just kind of like the same as the other stuff, just with another zero. Totally. And then you're like, okay, well, let's set the goalpost again. So waiting for some mythical number of – Clients or dollar amount, or can I afford it? You know, most of these things are a hundred bucks a month, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so, and so that's just to to say I can't afford that is just ridiculous because you can't afford to lose a single client. So, having it on day one means that you're tracking the data from day one. It means that on one client number one is up for a rego, yeah right is up for another invoice and so if you start compounding that that's why that company b went to eight hundred thousand in five years it's a compounding effect and so you don't want to start your compounding effect later that's like saying i want to grow a million dollar business well when should i start acting like a million dollar business well let's start acting like a million dollar business at eight hundred thousand yeah exactly like you'll never get there right because because your mentality will be like well i'm only at ten thousand now let's get to twenty thousand
0: yep Exactly.
1: It's it's like, uh, you're killing me. So no, on day one, if you want to get to a million, you start on day one doing everything that you can do to mimic what a million dollar business looks like. And it's very inexpensive to do a lot of the things that we just talked about that made those business owners cross that mark.
0: Totally. Totally. That's awesome, man. So as we wrap up here, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Because I mean, just through this podcast, I think guys are going to kind of have the on switch flip on and make, go like, man, I need to talk to this guy or, you know what, he's right. I need to find a CRM and at least they can check out your company and see if you're a good fit. So where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So ServiceMonster.net is our main website. Um, we do a lot of stuff on YouTube so they can find us doing a service monster search, all one word. Um, we do two shows a week there. Uh, one ask um, ask service monster. That's a value show. We're in our, we're almost at 70 episodes on that one. Okay. Um, and then we do the service monster show cause we do updates like every week. Yep. Um, cause we have several different product lines and, you know, we've got mobile solutions and we've got desktop solutions and corporate solutions. So, um, keeping in the know of like what we are and where we are at a journey. We're very open and transparent too. I talk about the trials and tribulations. Like when we rebuilt the sales team every week, I was giving updates. Like I'm staying up late at night, guys. I, I don't know what I'm going to do here. You know, it's yeah. like, it's real. We're, we're really trying to open up. Cause I wish people would have done that for me. Sure. I wish I'd have been able to see Gary when he was first starting that damn ad agency, but he disappeared for years Right. before he came back online. It's like, yeah i just wish more like mark cuban how cool would his whole career when he had that when he had that uh wet t-shirt contest fiasco (laughs) right i mean god that that's the kind of stuff would have been so cool to see uh in retrospect and so that's kind of what we're doing um making sure we so that's that's another place is youtube cool man Uh, and then facebook we're big on facebook so you'll see us a lot we do a lot of value content inspirational content and then of course occasionally we'll run ads um but they're 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 pretty effective ads. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, they pull the heartstrings a little bit, position why you need this stuff. So, yeah. That's, that's and then, of it. course, they can hit me up. Best place would be Facebook. Uh, just message me. I'm an open book. I'm available at all hours. I'm very, very accessible.
0: Yeah, it's true. I uh, I messaged you, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if you will get back to me or not. And it was like, I mean, I don't, I don't want people to think you're always like this, but it was like within five minutes. And I'm like, all right, sweet. So uh, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. All of you guys out there that don't have a CRM, You need to get something. You need to get something in place. I'm telling you, I talk about customer experience all the time and it is impossible to offer a good customer experience if you don't have a CRM. It organizes your entire company. It helps you automate a lot of the things that you're doing right now and you're doing them bad. Uh, And believe it or not, your customers will recognize the difference. So Joe, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, If you guys have any questions, hit him up on Facebook, check out his website, and uh, give him a go. See how it all works out.
1: Matt, thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: As always, this podcast is brought to you by Service Industry Marketer, where we're helping companies all over the country with their print marketing, AdWords, and social media marketing. If you need help with marketing and growing your service business, visit our website at serviceindustrymarketer.com, and we would be more than happy to help you out. Again, Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you found value. And until next time, take care.